Hello, my loves. Let's talk about sex. Is in the animal world. <laughs> More specifically, chromosomes, clones, and beyond. Because nature is strange and fantastic in the best of ways. And so much more complex than anything we, or at least I, learned in my early science classes. And as much as humans have historically looked to the animal kingdom to reinforce ideas of the status quo, it seems the more we learn, the more these very ideas can be shaken up by the same incredible creatures and the secrets they hold. Welcome, I'm Rocket Fox. Join me as we embrace the strange. There are so many fantastic instances of sex, in the biological sense, gone unexpected in nature. But for our first story, we start in one of our most exotic locations yet, Rector, Pennsylvania. Known for nearby Lynn Run State Park and Flat Rock, Rector is a small, unincorporated community within the Ligonier Township of Westmoreland County. Uh, apologies for any of that that may have pronounced incorrectly. At that, you may be thinking, what sort of wondrous instances of wildlife can be found in this unsuspecting place? Well, at the Powder Mill Nature Reserve, a team was in the process of a bird banding program in which researchers track how avian populations are faring in the wild when they discovered a literal one-in-a-million gem. For a little background on the program, the Powder Mill Avian Research Center, or PARC, has been tracking and banding bird populations for the past nearly 60 years and uses up to 70 12-meter-long and 2.5-meter-high mist nets that are placed in strategic locations to carefully nab various different local species. Nets are checked every 30 to 40 minutes and ensnared birds are very carefully removed placed in small drawstring bags, and taken to the lab. Their website definitively points out that bird safety is of utmost importance. Once back at the lab, the birds are processed, or reprocessed if previously banded, to find out behavior and migratory patterns, longevity and life cycles, molting patterns, weight and plumage changes, population monitoring, habitat use, and disease and environmental toxins, with the goal of understanding not only the species and populations themselves, but also how to conserve the land and environments and to live in harmony with these colorful and amazing creatures. On September 24th of 2020, during one of the standard net checks, one of the birds, a larger songbird about the size of a robin, was a little... unusual. Scratch that, a lot unusual. It was a rose-breasted grosbeak, and, as the team examined it, they were astounded to find that the right side of its body shone with the vibrant red plumage of a male, while the left side displayed the bright yellow feathers of a female. Even its male-sided wing was slightly longer, 
a typical size variation for a male. This was a bilateral gynandromorph. A gynandromorph is an animal that has both biologically male and female characteristics, bilateral tending to be more stark in that the split is clearly directly down the center. Now, many of you may be familiar with, or at least will have heard the term hermaphrodite, in which an animal or person can have both sets of male and female reproductive organs internally. A gynandromorph varies in that a hermaphrodite can externally appear either singularly male or female via biological features, while a gynandromorph, by definition, will have both in some sort of configuration. For the team at Powder Mill, to say this was an exciting moment would be a horrific understatement. For the bird banding program manager, Annie Lindsay, there has been only one other bilateral gynandromorph she's seen in the past 15 years, which was another rose-breasted grosbeak. In fact, only one of about 800,000 have been documented as possible gynandromorph candidates. The difficulty in sometimes being able to tell in some birds, as easily with the rose-breasted grosbeak, is that not all species have quite as vivid differences between the male and females in appearance, in which case there is a very real possibility that more could be flying around us than we realize. For example, there are bird collections museums that house taxidermied specimens that, during processing, require the internal organs to be removed and noted. At the Carnegie Museum of Natural History in Pittsburgh, collections manager Stephen Rogers found records for four gynandromorphs of the 27,000 specimens, three of which are from species with no color differentiation between male and female plumage. So without, in effect, cutting each bird open to see what's inside, there's no way to know for certain with the banded birds how many truly are gynandromorphs of species with no color differentiation, even though odds are they are still pretty rare. One of the other big mysteries on the table for those, and our recently famous grosbeak, is breeding behaviors and possibilities. In songbirds, and I didn't know this until today, while they have two ovaries, only their left one is functional. This particular grosbeak has a female left side, so would have a functioning ovary. However, would also have to behave like a female in order to attract a mate, and there is just no way of knowing how it would behave. To perhaps give a little bit of insight, in 2009 and 10, in Illinois, a different set of researchers were able to spot and observe an adult northern cardinal with bilateral gynandromorphy, though they did note it was never seen performing any songs, vocalizing, or hanging out with a mate. So, it remains a mystery what the future held for the cardinal, or still holds for this rose-breasted grosbeak. But, on a lighter note, and to be fair, I probably wouldn't be singing, vocalizing, or hanging out with my significant other of any sex if I was being stalked by a team of researchers either. story focuses not so much on the sex of the animal itself being intriguing, but the way in which it is able to take its own next step along the reproductive journey. 
The year is 2010, and we move from Pennsylvania to North Carolina State University. Researchers have spent a good amount of time studying reptile reproduction, and in this particular year, discovered something very fascinating indeed. A particular lovely female bow constrictor with a rare recessive color mutation was in her habitat. When it was found, she'd had a litter of babies. But not just any babies, oh no. These babies had zero trace of male influence. That's right, they were clones, uh, more or less, complete with the same rare recessive color mutation their mother held. Now, believe it or not, this isn't the first time an animal has been known to asexually reproduce. In 2006, two female Komodo dragons in England laid clutches of eggs without the influence of a male. The first, Flora from the Chester Zoo, had never been kept with a male and laid a clutch of 11 eggs. And the second, Sun Guy from the London Zoo, hadn't had a tryst in two and a half years and laid a clutch of 22. While there are some reptiles who managed to hold on to the male sperm for several years, that was an initial thought. However, once Sun Guy's eggs were genetically tested, it was found the father would have had to have an exact genetic match to her. Unlike our initial boa, these Komodo dragon babies were male. But like our boa, they were created through parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis is an asexual reproductive method in which the mother's half-set of chromosomes double to create the full set, which allows the babies to have all of her genes without being an exact duplicate of her genome. Hence how these rare and special boa babies, even though they are female, and even though they share their mother's special coloration, aren't exactly clones. Another very cool instance was in a Nebraska aquarium, where a hammerhead shark gave birth to a female through the same method of parthenogenesis, despite the fact that the initial theories included the shark having mated with a different species, or again having stored a male sperm for later usage, genetic testing of the baby put those questions to rest, and this became the first known instance of asexual reproduction in sharks. Although, certainly, there have been others that we simply aren't aware of. Back to North Carolina State University, this mother that just won't quit had not one but two litters of snakelets through parthenogenesis, all of which were female with, once again, the same color mutation. Another very strange find they came across was within the chromosomes themselves. You see, whereas humans have an X and a Y chromosome, snakes have Z and W. Male snakes have two Zs, and females have a Z and a W. Well, these very special babies had two Ws, which is something Dr. Warren Booth, an NC State postdoctoral researcher in entomology and the lead author of a paper describing the study, had never seen before. The only time this had been achieved was through incredibly complex lab manipulation and, even then, only in fish and amphibians. Another incredibly unusual circumstance that sets our boa apart from these other examples, and perhaps something that some of us humans can identify with, 
is that this female did not have these litters due to a lack of males present and courting her. She just decided, nope, I think I'm the better option. She additionally had had previous litters the old-fashioned way, with the involvement of males before opting to go as solo. Dr. Booth, also a reptile keeper and snake breeder himself, kept one of the incredible baby boas, and it will be interesting to see how and if she decides to reproduce when she grows up. for you may seem like something out of a 1950s horror film, but it is very real and very intriguing. Unveiled at the Parc Zoologique de Paris, or the Paris Zoo, in October of 2019, on this seemingly average branch within a vivarium, you can find a bright yellow, gooey substance that appears to have veins that stretch out across the unsuspecting bark of the limbs. It is the blob. And it is a horrifying wonder. For example, it can move as much as one centimeter per hour. Considering it has no legs or parts of any kind to propel it, that is pretty impressive. Additionally, it can find and digest food without the aid of, say, eyes or a stomach. It heals itself within two minutes if cut in half, will double its size each day with the ability to cover several square kilometers, and is nearly impossible to kill, oh, yeah, and also has almost 720 sexes. A cousin to various breeds of slime mold, it, or they, I suppose more accurately, along with the other slime molds, are able to solve mazes, mimic the layouts of man-made transportation networks, and choose the healthiest food from a diverse menu, which is already two out of three steps more advanced than me. These blobs, in addition, are somehow able to learn make decisions, and share their knowledge despite having no limbs, eyes, stomach, or brain, which is making scientists start to rethink traditional ideas of biological intelligence. So what the blob is, is hard to describe. Again, it's related to a slime mold, which is a group of microscopic organisms that are similar to bacteria, only bigger, and with a nucleus and distinct cell structures. They are really more similar to plant and animal cells structurally. The technical name is plasmodium, and while that may sound a bit foreign, another type of this taxonomy is malaria. Although, not to worry, slime molds, the blob included, don't hurt people. Yet. Now, normally, a slime mold will cruise the world as a single cell, but when times get hard, there is power in numbers, and these little creatures join together to form their iconic bright yellow and gelatinous colony. 
As far as their 720 sexes, as you may have guessed, matchmaking in the slime world isn't quite the same as breeding for a lot of other animals. Each slime mold can only mix genetic material when they have compatible mitochondrial gene sets, and those are broken down into groupings known as Mat A, Mat B, and Mat C, each set of which can have up to 16 variations, thus leading to the 720. That is a lot more complex than any dating app we have yet is ready to handle. So, who really is more advanced? At the end of the day, what these stories show us is that there is so much more complexity and variation in the natural world than we possibly could have fathomed when science was still taking its baby steps. And in that diversity, we can see how awesome, amazing, and beautiful life truly is. And we can begin to understand and embrace the diversity we see even closer to home. Thank you so much for joining me through the Fantastically Strange. I hope that you've enjoyed, as always, our journey. Come visit for a spell at fantasticallystrange.com and on Instagram at fantasticallystrange or Twitter at fantasticoddpod. Maybe even all three. If you've enjoyed the show so far, please let me know. Maybe even a follow, share, or review. I write, research, edit, and do all of the things myself, and am so honored to be able to bring you stories about the topics that I'm passionate about, and your ear means the world to me. If you do want to support the show, I wouldn't say no to you visiting patreon.com slash rocketfox, where you can get early access to the weekly episodes, bonus content, including outtakes and more, as well as goodies from my other work. If you do have any topics you'd like to see, any questions, comments, or just to say hi, email me at fantasticallystrange at rocketfox.com. All sources, additional music and sound effects are linked and credited in the show info. The amazing logo illustration is by Constance Hermit, and the killer intro song, Hey Dorothy, is by Cruise Machine. Thank you so much again, and I can't wait to see you next time. <laughs>